1: Everyone, Buzz episode 91. I cannot believe, guys, we're almost in triple digits for these, uh, for these episode numbers. It's crazy to think about that we've come this far. Uh, this is Richie, one third of the podcast. what?
2: Uh, as- sorry to interrupt you, midstream Richie. No, go ahead. One more episode than points the Hornets scored uh, at the Pacers that's, here. So that's true. We did do that. Four more. <laughs> four more when we get uh, Papa John's pizza, too, right? At least Half, <laughs> long,
3: half
1: long, so. <laughs>
2: Right. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. I had to, the, yes. I had to there. So,
1: like always, I'm joined by Brian, who just cut me off, and then uh, Spencer as well. I just want to remind you guys that we are a proud member of the Blue Wire Network, and you can find more content on BlueWirePods.com. On today's episode, episode 91, we'll be talking about the Pacers game from Monday night. And also, the trade deadline that kind of came and went with some inactivity on the Hornets' end. I know we tried to do something, there were some rumors out there, but uh, nothing ever materialized with the Charlotte Hornets at the trade deadline. Before we begin, though, we wanted to make you guys aware of another sticker giveaway through Twitter. Check our handle at BuzzBeatPod for more details and directions on how you can enter. Doesn't hurt to at least try and uh, kind of put your name in that pool right there. and. Um, We'll announce a winner sometime soon so let's jump right into this uh, episode let's go ahead and just do the, the pacers game uh, we won't spend too much time on this we'll probably spend a little bit more time on the trade deadline stuff the hornets played the pacers monday night they lost 99 to 90. Uh, like brian said only scored 90 points this team actually failed to score 20 points in three of the four quarters uh, but we do have to give credit to the pacers who are I think like a top two or three defensive team in the NBA. So they definitely played a role in uh, how we played on the offensive side. The Hornets were led by Kemba, Lamb, and Zeller, who combined for 73 of the 90 points. But uh, we got absolutely no production from the bench. So watching this game, it was kind of pitiful to watch. Anytime Kemba and Lamb and Zeller hit the bench, it was a struggle Uh, for that bench team so I guess I just want to talk some big picture stuff I know we kind of talked about some of the same trends over and over again with these games that's kind of how the Hornets do it you know there's not many glaring stuff that we can talk about that we haven't already talked about I guess the one thing that I do want to talk about is just the load for Kimba in terms of just how much energy he has to expend uh, Spencer and Brian he played 39 minutes which is the second most in a regulation game this uh, this season um, he only got 10 points from players off the bench collectively. And again, I don't want this to become the norm. I know that last season our bench was probably worse than this season. I think the the bench unit elite is like 7th in the NBA in scoring. So I don't necessarily think this is like the norm. But just to see this game where anytime he would hit the bench, the Pacers would go on a run. And then anytime he would come back on the court, he had to be like extra aggressive. Um, and then you have teams that double team him that already expends so much energy on the guy that gives so much for this team. And there was actually one play, cannot remember, it was the third quarter, I believe, where he wasn't even in the picture on your broadcast. It was a 4 on 4 taking place and he just kind of stood at midcourt just catching his breath. So, I guess my question to you guys is how valid are these concerns when it comes to kind of Kemba kind of overexpending himself with this team and Do you guys even see this team winning a game in the playoff if this is becoming the norm with this team where, you know, you can't get any production out of the bench, especially when you shorten that lineup?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a very valid concern, you know, for Kemba, you know, night after night really having to carry this load. I mean, especially against talent in teams that... Are just better than Charlotte, right? Like he has to almost do everything. I mean, you have your outlier game, like Atlanta on Saturday night, where you you get a contribution for, you know, from what seems like everyone. But but yeah, I mean, this is concerning. The problem for Charlotte is there's no way to get past or around that, mm-hmm. especially when you know the competition um, really takes a jolt up. And and to your point about the playoffs, I mean no, I wouldn't project the Hornets to win no matter who they played in the top four of the East. I wouldn't project them to win a playoff game right now, you know, not unless they see some kind, you know, not unless Malik Monk, you know, comes out of a shell or or Nicholas Batum has an out-of-body experience for a few months here. I mean, so so no, I mean, there's just, there's no proof in the pudding to show us that there's going to be another contributor, um, you know, to this team's effort outside of Kimba that's really going to move the needle. Uh, But Yeah I mean this this Indiana game Richie like specifically I mean I actually had about a page full of notes although it was kind of a boring game I mean (laughs) this has got to be the worst bench game for Charlotte all season right like maybe I'm missing one but this was terrible I mean you know I mean Frank Kaminsky gets it that well I want to talk about that in a minute but (laughs) you know Shelvin Mack minus 20 uh, Malik Monk minus 20 MKG minus 17 Miles Bridges minus 13 I mean they could do nothing I mean Charlotte's starters fought so hard to get him back in that game in the third quarter and really played great and then the bench comes out in the fourth quarter gets outscored eight nothing the game's over i mean that's just how like disheartening and defeating that has to be when you're kimball walker just watching from the bench i mean you know he had 18 excuse me yeah no no, no. he had 18 points in that third quarter yeah um just single-handedly put that team on his back and and then just watch the bench come in and just throw up all over themselves i mean i can't imagine like the mental hurdles you have to go through night in, you know, night in, night out with, with, this, with this supporting cast or uh, la- lack, lack of, thereof. Man. So, you know, it, it's disappointing, but it is what it is at this point. And, and I think Kimma knows that, and I think this team knows that. And I think the coaches know that. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to try to thread the needle between trying to stay competitive uh, and, and fight for the playoffs and stay in these games while also getting Miles Bridges and Malik Monk uh, valuable minutes in, in meaningful games, right? Like that's a really tight rope to walk. And I think that's something that James Brego is trying to do right now. So it's, uh, it's, it's, not a winning proposition when you look at it from like a, a 10,000 foot view. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. The, uh, n- no, Richie, I don't see, e- even if, even if those, even if some of those guys did perk up a little bit, like Spencer said, nothing short of one of them, you know, Nick Batum finding another gear, Malik Monk finding another ge- – like, outside of that, which and I don't think any of that's going to happen in the next two months. <laughs> no, I mean, I think this team has been – we've been saying it all year. They're like – they are locked in on the seventh or eighth seed and getting swept by the Bucks or the Raptors. Like, come on, those teams are insane. But, you know, hey, the Hornets will get what they want. They wanted two home playoff games, and they'll get that. So congrats for them. But, yeah, like, <laughs> with, with the Pacers game, like – you know, it's Kemba is plays thirty-nine minutes in this game yeah. with thirty-two percent usage rate. So this was this was another another high usage game for him. Um they're plus eleven with him on the court. And they lost by nine in this game for a guy that played eighty percent of the game. It's it's like a little hard it's like a riddle, you know what I mean? Jelvin Mack, minus twenty, Malik Monk, minus twenty. The bench goes a combined three of sixteen um as you guys know, like, you know I'm I, I'm I'm still a, a a supporter of Malik Monk. I, I don't know where that guy was last night. No, like, I thought that was like the most checked out he's looked mm-hmm. like. I was like, where? It, like at least with Monk, even when he's sputtering, you at least like see him and feel him. Last night it, it was like he, you know, was in the Nick Batum role of just very content uh, to to chill and play off of everybody. But like. With Kemba in last night, 39 minutes, the Hornets 115 points per 100 possessions, a net rating of plus 11. With Kemba off the court, a net rating of minus 113. Uh-huh. So they're getting outscored by 1.13 points per possession with Kemba off the court. The Hornets score 37 points for 100 possessions with Kemba off the court in nine minutes. Just a total, total dumpster fire and let me just say this too like the you, we've seen them match up with the pacers now a couple times this year as soon as sabonis comes in off the bench this the game always changes with them sabonis kills them and in the minutes with there's now been uh th- 14 minutes with sabonis on the court and bismack on the court too pacers have a net rating of plus th- of 38 points per 100 possessions with that situation up like the Hornets – Bismack is just not a guy that can, like, consistently guard high pick and roll. And Sabonis is an amazing pick and roll big because he can short roll. He can he – can, and pass. He can short roll and shoot the little mid-range jumper. He can get all the way to the rim. He's wickedly efficient at the at – the, you know, in the paint. Just uh-huh. an, an incredible offensive talent. That's such a big advantage for Indiana having that dude like a guy that it, a guy that if you played more minutes would be an all-star this year coming off the bench and it's going to help them at least until they get into the hot house of the playoffs it's going to help them stomach some of the you know the absence of Oladipo but yeah no look I mean it, this is the same broken record we've been listening to for how many years now it's no surprise when it skips this has been the formula with Kemba with the Hornets for three you know, two and a half almost three full seasons now. Um, I do think it's encouraging that the starters have played well. And since Cody got back, the starting lineup has been really, you know, the starting lineup or, you know, Cody, you know, even before he got back, Cody playing with Marvin Kemba, Batum, and, uh, and Jeremy Lamb, that's been really good. Um, and that's something that the Hornets can certainly hang their hat on. But uh, in terms of the playoffs, like, and short of Kemba turning into 2001 Iverson, you know, with a three-pointer, like this team isn't yeah. winning, but more than the game. And even that's like a huge stretch because they, they're just having to play against these, I mean, the Raptors and Bucks; these teams are no joke, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's, uh, we need better load management with, uh, with <laughs> Kemba in Charlotte, but there aren't really any options to do that. I mean, could you imagine yeah. if this guy sat, what it would look like?
1: But that yeah, that was the first thought that went through my mind, okay, you know, Pacers are a playoff team. They're they're the third seed in the East currently as we speak. And, you know, this is about the team that we would play. Obviously we'd actually be playing a team that is better in the standings based off of where we're at right now. And watching that game last night, I'm just like, wow, there's there's no way that we're gonna be able to pick up a game even at home with the way that we've played and and you mentioned Sabonis and Sabonis. I think it was in the second quarter, he had like two or three fouls, like back to back to back, and and he was in foul trouble. We were in the bonus, and he didn't come back until like the third quarter a little bit later than um, they probably wanted him back. And like you said, the minute that he stepped on the court, the Pacers played a whole lot better. And a lot of times they even had like some smalls, Matched up on him in the post. I thought Kimba did a, you know, the best he could guarding him. Sometimes mismatching the post, but again, he he is a beast down low and, and scoring in the paint. And clearly, he just was too much for the Hornets in the limited minutes he was out there. Let's transition to Frank Kaminsky. Uh, Spencer, you brought him up. The situation that he's in uh, currently is is definitely a weird one. He hadn't played since January 30th, and he was his role on this team was so sporadic. And what's interesting is he came in and actually played the four. I think this was, according to basketball reference, this was the first time he's ever played the power forward this season. And he just looked lost out there, whether it was the position, whether it was him just not fully in tune to the game. Biz had to tell him where to go at at certain points during the game. And I'm just like, if Biz is having to tell you where to be on the court, that's probably not a good sign. So it's interesting to see that he actually played, and Hernan Gomez kind of feels like he's out of the rotation. And we talked about this earlier, Spencer, about – kind of getting that continuity and, and picking picking a player and sticking with it. But Borrego loves to switch up his lineups, but for whatever reason, that backup center role seems to be the most convoluted on
3: this team. Yeah, and the timing of it, of Frank getting these four minutes, seems about as random as anything, right? Like we just, <laughs> we just got past the trade deadline and then past – these ridiculous rumors of Frank get a, getting a buyout on a rookie contract, which still keeps me up at night. And he, he gets four minutes of play over Willie Hernan Gomez, a guy who you basically have on a minimum deal and on a non-guarantee next year that I would assume you're going to guarantee that contract because it's so cheap and he should be a part of, you know, your quote unquote youth movement. Um, it just makes no sense to me. So let me be conspiracy theorist uh, Spencer here for just a second. <laughs> So when the friction got really, really bad with the Hornets and Frank Kaminsky and his quote unquote posse, which I have on good faith that it did and has, d- can I just guess and, and theorize that MJ stepped in and say, Hey, everybody cool it here. Brego." Hmm. go, do we think we could just give him one more chance? <laughs> just give him one more chance, right? Like I don't, I don't think that's what happened, but yeah. It was literally in the news about a buy about him getting a buyout, and then Check asked about it the day after the trade deadline in his press conference, saying, "You know, that's not in our plans. But if his, you know, if Frank's camp wants to talk about it, my door is open." Or, I mean, that's not the correct quote. It's Something along those lines. And now he's playing in a game like this is odd to me. It's like something obviously happened. Positive, quote unquote, I would say, between Frank and the coaching staff or the front office because to sit Willie and play him after all that just makes like literally zero sense to me and uh, whatever. It's not a big deal. It's four minutes. Right. Right. But like the timing of it is just, it couldn't be more odd, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's right. it's um, even more odd
1: because MJ couldn't watch him. Cause he was watching the UNC uh, Virginia game.
3: Well, right. I was too. I mean, I couldn't watch Frank, but I, I mean, yeah. I was like MJ. I probably wasn't too upset about it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The, uh, it's like, there's just, look, the Hornets have beyond Zeller, and and Marvin and MKG, they have no good options in the front court, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Bismack, he can't do it. Willie has so many issues defensively; is just an objectively bad defensive center, one of the worst rotational defensive centers in in all of the NBA. And yet, both of those guys playing, both of those guys makes more sense than Frank Kaminsky for a variety of reasons, some of which, all of which I should say, Spencer just outlined, like. He's not a good player and he's not gonna be back here next season. There's been a bunch of weird stuff that's come out of, of Charlotte the last couple of months with you know, with Frank, you know, what maybe looking for a trade or, or you know, maybe the Hornet's buying out his, his rookie contract, whatever. Like it's just been it, it's just been weird. And I just think there's gonna be a I think for both parties, I think if Frank's gonna have any chance of getting his NBA career back on track, it's gonna be outside of Charlotte. And I think the franchise will also look Frank walking out the door is not going to make them better or worse, right? Like they'll be the exact same, but it'll just be a just breath of fresh air. I think he is a, I think he, his roster spot. I think he just, it's a constant reminder of, of opportunity cost. Do you know what I mean? And because of that, some of this isn't even Frank's fault. It's just like, everyone know everyone knows based off of, you know whether you know do you believe these reports or not I, I tend to like you know you know what the, the franchise missed out on because of him you know what I mean because because yeah. they, they drafted him and you know I, I don't know it's it, because of that it's like he'll never get a shit Look, I, I'm just as frustrated with with his play and, and lack of development as anyone but just like it's almost like the guy never had a chance. But to be trotting him out there now like this, it just doesn't it that reeked of just to me also just Brago just being like, I don't know what to do. Like yeah. I don't have any good options. Yeah. Let me just yeah. throw something at the wall and hope that it sticks. It didn't at all. I mean, like, they it went very poorly with him in. And by the way, like for a guy that should kind of be on on thin ice, I would imagine, with the the front office, with ownership, with the coaching staff. He wasted no time getting up shots. I mean that's the that's the, you know you can always guarantee that with Frank like he comes in first two possessions he's going to he got up shots. <laughs> Anybody, yeah. he missed he missed both of them because of course he did. But like
3: I agree with you, Brian. I think you're right. And by the way, like my conspiracy theory, I'm not saying it cuz I actually believe it. Um I think you're right. I think Borrego is literally throwing stuff at the wall being I mean, like, "All right, well, maybe this will
2: work." You know, he yeah. he, had, yeah. he yeah.
3: when he sees it goes in, you know, when he sees it go in, he he can knock down a
2: few. So but yeah, it's it's super disappointing with Frank, no doubt. Well that's, just real quickly, I've said this before, but like it's a problem that this team's best or second best center far and away is Martin Williams. Mm-hmm. Like they just got they got yeah. they've got four centers on this roster and only one of them's good, you know? Um and it, yeah, and it's, it's look, and like I'll,
3: that it's disappointing that it's ended up like this with Willie to this point because I, I would still defend that trade. You know, two seconds yeah, was totally. too much looking back on it, but you know, for a contract that was going to be that cheap, it, it was worth a swing, right? It, it was worth a swing. And, and you know, at the time, I kind of thought the Hornets hit a single with that one. It's not looking like that, you know, today. But it, it, the way this center rotation has played out, it, it couldn't be more disappointing because uh, you, you certainly looked at the roster and thought that was one of the deeper, um, more well-equipped positions going into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like you're saying, Brian, I mean, look, the Frank Kaminsky thing – that draft pick set this franchise back a decade. And yeah. we could, we could do, I could do an oral history with you about why that is, because some people are probably like, wait a minute, what? We won't go into all that. But it is a sunk cost now. It's a yeah. sunk cost. And I, and I think regardless of how desperate you are to make the playoffs, if you're James Borrego, you need to just keep his butt on the bench. Like, he's not part of the future. Mm-mm. Just swallow the sunk cost, front office and coaching staff. And play the guys that are going to be here next year. That just is what it is. And if you end up missing the playoffs, it's not going to be because you didn't play Frank Kaminsky. Okay, so <laughs> so like just have to swallow that pill and and give into it. it. It just when I saw that he played last night, and I didn't watch the game live. When I saw it late last night, it really did disappoint me. It did. I just don't see the reason
2: for it.
1: it yeah, it, it came out of nowhere. And I first thought, because, you know, we were losing, we weren't playing too well towards the end of that first quarter, that James would just said, hey, let's just throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. And kind of like Brian's point, I feel like that's what it was. But... Again, this guy's not going to be part of our future, so what's the, what's the point in putting him out there? Because he clearly didn't make a difference. And, and putting him at the power forward, too, where a, a spot that he has not played all season, that's, yeah, that's going to make it worse. That's going to make it worse.
2: He, the, the, guy, the guy maybe still has the shot at an NBA career, but it's definitely playing backup five. Like it, the, the, the days of this guy being a four, like that, that got dragged on for way too long. <laughs> Just way – I mean, like, Clifford kept trying that for years, it seemed like, and it just – it it never was ever going to work. Exactly, exactly.
3: Just a few more things in this game, because I feel like we've just, like, hammered away at, at the negatives. I, it, I will say this, a few just quick bullet points. I think Charlotte continues to play hard. I think mm-hmm. that they continue to show, you know, albeit their very obvious defensive liabilities – that they really compete consistently on that end of the floor especially that starting group yeah. um they're getting better you know they switch a lot it's almost now to the point where it's a switching Everything. defensive scheme mm-hmm. yep. almost exclusively and you know they're getting better when Kimba gets you know switched off into a bigger that takes him down to the post the guy from the opposite end you know you know runs in sends him out yeah, and, they're, and they're they're rotating yep. and they're communicating on the back i mean that stuff to me, when I watch it, it's it's cleaning itself up. It's looking better. And this was a good defensive performance for the Hornets last night. I mean, I don't think that should go covered up either. But it's the consistency, right? And we've talked about that already, you know, numerous times on this on this podcast. Um, that that just, I mean, look, the Hornets make 19 three pointers Saturday night in Atlanta. They come to Indiana. I mean, they couldn't kick it in the ocean from the beach. I mean, it's just. You know, that's the stuff that's really losing Charlotte games. I don't think it's their effort. It's just the inconsistency across the board, and and certainly around Kimball Walker, that they can't, they just can't get over that hurdle. I mean, a game like at Indiana, you just figure it out, you hit a few more shots, or really a lot of shots came out um, when I thought they were down in Indiana. So a few more of those fall, and you get a huge road win that makes a little bit of a statement, but Again, the inconsistency just keeps biting Charlotte.
2: They, they don't have enough stoppers on the on the perimeter. In, and sorry, Richie, but just do want to throw this in there. Kemba, thirty four points, five straight games with thirty plus points now. Right, so he, I mean, he's been he's been unbelievable recently. In those five games, twelve three point attempts per game, shooting forty three percent on pull up threes, forty seven percent on catch and shoot threes, taking twenty four field goal attempts per game over the last five games too. 57% effective shooting. So Kemba's been ridiculous. When he plays like that, they have a chance. It just means they got to tax him a lot, too. Start, sorry for jumping in there, Richie. My no, bad. No, I mean, and to, to all of your
1: points, you know, the starters did play well in this game. I think they outscored the Pacers starters by 16. And, you know, like Spencer said, the consistency on the defensive end is just not there. It's almost like if Marvin or MKG are off the court, uh, you could probably expect the, the defensive side to kind of suffer – uh, yeah. At least a little bit. At least a little bit. And I, and I actually thought Cody Zeller played an, an awesome game defensively. Uh, he got switched on to a couple of guards on the perimeter yep. uh, several times, and I thought he held his own very, very well. Let's go ahead and transition, guys. And uh, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash Wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes one five-blade razor, a rich lathering shave gel, and one travel blade cover. You'll get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's and I can attest to this because I, my wife and I both use Harry's. We actually um, tried out all these different types of brands and we wanted to get away from some of the more expensive brands that were just overpriced and we've fell in love with Harry's. It's It's simple it's a clean design quality blades actually the harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and over they bought a world-class blade factory in germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years so join the 10 million who have tried harry's claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com blue wire all of harry's blades come with a 100% guarantee If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3.
3: Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com. There are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives either. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest and you can rest assured knowing you've taken the steps to protect your family, and in most cases with ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E T H O S getethos.com. getethos.com.
1: All right. So let's transition to the trade deadline. February 7th came and went and the Hornets were the only Eastern Conference team that didn't make a trade. Uh, We've heard rumors about Mark Gasol coming here, but I'm sure there was some kind of dispute over some pick protection or maybe even the players that were involved. And that never materialized, and he was traded off to Toronto. So, for better or for worse, that trade never happened. And then the Hornets in general just didn't make a trade. I actually thought they were going to try something even when the Gasol trade fell through, maybe something for like Deadman. I'm surprised he didn't get traded. And when we played him the other night, he uh, killed us from deep. But let me just speak strictly of the Mark Gasol trade that was kind of thrown out there, or at least we thought was thrown out there. Was there a deal out there that made sense to either of you guys if we were to trade for Marcus All or are you just happy that a, a trade never happened?
3: Uh yeah, well I I thought there was a deal out there that made sense for Charlotte for Marcus All. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think like Bismack Biyombo and Jeremy Lamb was the cleanest way to make it happen and mm-hmm. um you know, a, a probably heavily protected first round pick which is you know, Charlotte in the end of all this, regardless of what player we're talking about, I think what's come out is that, and and I applaud Cupchak for doing this. Is he was playing really like harder hardball than we expected with that pick. I think he like wanted to top twenty protect it maybe this year Ooh. that yeah. that 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 would you know roll over to maybe like a top sixteen or seventeen protect you know weird protections that would give Charlotte a chance to succeed on the court and eventually. Um, or you know proceed with you know how they want to build their franchise and not surrender a first round pick right like that was probably the plan and you know Memphis didn't want to do that and da- and Sac- or excuse me Dallas didn't want to do that with Harrison Barnes and how can you blame them but to the Marcus All thing you know I-, I think that Memphis was looking for a collection of young players and contracts that down the road if they weren't going to get a first round pick which ended up being. You know, they couldn't. Um, and contracts down the road along with those young players that they could flip in some kind of value uh, and, and get a pick back, right? If it's two seconds, fine. It's a sunk cost at that point. But maybe we can take, you know, Valentinus or um, I'm blanking on who that was. Who Delon or, Wright. Or C- yeah, Delon Wright and CJ Miles. Like, Delon Wright's the young player they got, right? Like, yeah. you know, you can kick the tires on him and see he might earn a contract in Memphis. And, he's free, and being he's a restricted
2: under, free agent this summer too.
3: Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that might be part of their their future while they're building one brick at a time because it's going to be a long rebuild there. And then they got Valanciunas and CJ Miles. Both of those guys have a year and a half left on their deals. Well, those have both been very solid rotational players in the NBA. Who's saying they don't go get minutes in Memphis? Perk back up, and now this time next year they're able to flip one of those guys. I think C.J. Miles, they might get a, a first-round pick for him if he, you know, if he sees the ball go in the bucket a lot, uh, you know, here in the next year or so. So, I think it was the right deal for them to take over what Charlotte could offer. Nobody wanted Bismack Biyombo. That was the <laughs> chunk salary that they that, that Charlotte was going to have to throw in the Harrison Barnes deal or um, a Marcus deal, and that's dead money. Like every other team in the NBA, regardless of how many minutes he's played in Charlotte this year and how he's actually been somewhat productive in those minutes nobody else in the NBA sees any value in that money it's dead it's completely dead right so nobody wanted it and that's really effectively why the hornets weren't able to be competitive with Toronto for Marcus All is because we couldn't provide rotational guys regardless of how much money they were making that Memphis could eventually flip and we couldn't provide a young player Uh, that we were willing to part ways with, like DeLon Wright. We weren't going to part ways with Miles Bridges or Malik Monk. And so I think those two factors are really where the the line in the sand was drawn. And I applaud Charlotte for not giving in and saying, okay, we'll give you a lot of protected first-round pick. Because guess what? Here's the thing. Charlotte is still going to be trying to improve the roster this summer when – not just as many trades happen, but bigger trades happen in the summer, typically, than they do at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. So now, God, and you pointed this out on Twitter, Richie, it's not the worst thing in the world. The Hornets miss the playoffs, right, by a half game or a game or wh- whatever it ends up being, and now they're in the lottery and now they get a little bit lucky and you have a decent pick. Well, now that's, that's a great asset to have. And, and now maybe the type of player that you would put – Malik Monk in a deal with that first round pick becomes available, and now right. you're looking back and you're like, man, I, I sure I'm glad we didn't give that pick away uh, for a half a season of Marcus All. Right. You know, so there's no rush for the Hornets. I guess is what I'm saying. They're going to stink for the rest of this season, regardless of what deal they make at the deadline.
2: Yeah. The um, in like to, Richie, to the point that Richie brought out on Twitter, like, yeah, it would certainly not be the worst thing. You know, maybe it would maybe hurt stuff with Kemba in the summer, but like, this is this team needs. Young towns. One of the reasons why I'm glad they didn't trade the first round pick, actually, and having a having a, a, a you know a run at the lotto machine that would be great. Uh, this is sort of like the weird, this this sort of like weird vacuum created by the East having as many playoff teams as the West, but not being nearly as deep. You have you have franchises that need to make the like should be in the lottery, like the Hornets, but they miss out on it because they're going to be they're going to they can still make the playoffs at the seventh or eighth seed. I like the, the thought of the Hornets not including Malik Monk not you know throwing in a depending on a protections like a a certain kind of first round pick because I just think it would have been it would have been throwing money at a short-term fix and I don't think it would have moved the needle much like maybe you get you get up to the 6th seed at best even then I mean do you like the Hornets to win more than a game with against any of these against right. Boston against Toronto against Indiana like maybe Indiana but I don't know and I look I know Gasol looked good last night for the Raptors I watched him play a little bit that game against the Nets but like I just don't think he would have made move the needle I think he and Kemba would have been really good together Mark Gasol still a good player still a useful player um and obviously there's risk with not pulling a trade because Kemba could turn around and say look man I need you guys to to do something for me, the deadline, you couldn't swing a deal. The only thing would be, look, if, if you're trying to trade a for Marcus Sol at age thirty four in two thousand nineteen and you're you gotta decide whether you want to give up, you know, future assets for this guy or not, like that making that move is not a solution. Do you know what I mean? Like it is it is a temporary quick fix and something that we talked about this on, on episode eighty nine. Like something that they've just done too much of yeah. The last decade, and it, so it was good to see them. walk. It's okay to walk away from the table, man. Like it, it's okay to do that, even if it's gonna frustrate parts of the fan base. And I also do wonder too, and I have no idea. Like I don't, I don't, you know, I don't. I, I'm not like close enough to the team to know these things intimately or not. But like I do wonder, um, and so perhaps it is reckless for me to speculate on this. But like I do wonder if this is an advantage of having a guy like Mitch Kupchak at general manager as opposed to someone like Rich Cho that if the if the if Michael Jordan is itching for a trade, Mitch Kupchak can say no. You know, I have no idea. I don't know. I I could be way off on, on that on on that assumption. Uh-huh. But like that's a good thing in a in a general manager to say like no, this isn't a fix. Like we gotta we gotta we gotta take a like a slightly bigger picture view of of where the franchise is and where and where they're going and um look I I can obviously Gasol would have helped it would have been exciting to see he and Kemba play together who knows with Malik Monk I still think there's a ton of untapped potential um and having also say this too having the pick be top 20 protected makes uh, you know would have made a lot more sense I I couldn't understand why it was a huge snag for Memphis that it be protected lottery because it was like, well, the Hornets are probably going to make the playoffs. Right, they get sold. Right, right. They're definitely. I couldn't get that. That hangup didn't make much sense to me. Now, assuming it was top twenty protected, well, that's a whole different ball. You know, game. That's a whole whole different ball game. You know, look, it, like I said, it, it's a bit of a risk because you know Kemba could walk this summer, and and that would be a tough. I don't think he's going to, but he, he totally could, and he wouldn't be wrong to do so. But um. You know, look. That just that wasn't that wasn't the fix. They didn't they didn't miss the, the like the thing that's going to solve the franchise or or reroute them in a different direction or even improve them that much beyond a, a margin this season. So yeah, um, I'm okay with them stepping back. It, it was okay.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Brian. And I just want really to quickly respond to. Your comment about Cubs and and Jordan, I don't think it's reckless to assume that. And and look, you do, we're just throwing darts here, right? Yeah, but right, right. That right. seemed like that seemed like the front office practicing abstinence when we they have not very much in the past. Like for the fans that are like, look, Charlotte got you know they got to the goal line and then but no one wanted to do business with them because we're Joe. No, it, no, it's not that simple. Like Mark Gasol was tied so closely to Charlotte. The deal was there for Charlotte if they wanted to give up something certain, and we already talked about what that was. They didn't want to give that up, and good for them for not backing down. You know, because, I, you know, I think the betting men out there would have would have guessed, yeah, all the Hornets are going to sell their souls to get freaking Marcus Shaw for half a season. They want to win that bad, so that was surprising to me. I think it's good. I think it's fine to assume that, Brian. Number two is this, like what I was saying a minute ago about the summer. Think about it this way: the Hornets are one of those teams. Picture them as a vulture. All right, you've got Kevin Love, who now gets not quite half a season, but a little, a little less than half a season to come back and show us what he's got left coming off of an injury at his age. You know, he's signed long-term. I think mm-hmm. that Cleveland wants to trade him. He's been linked to Charlotte. Show- I would watch that. Um, I would watch your Portlands and your Philadelphias and your Bostons of the world. Let me, let me just point, point something out real quick. If any of those teams lose in the first round or, or even the second round, it's going to be, there's going to be change in those franchises Mm -hmm. and they're going to make trades. And I think if you're Charlotte, you, you, a team like Charlotte, you should watch that closely. And teams are just more willing to make a serious pivot in the summer rather than in the middle of the season. That's just history tells us that.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: So, you know, I think when Charlotte doesn't make that deal at the deadline, I think they just keep so many more options on the table, and not that I'm I'm absolutely convinced they're going to do something this summer. But I do think there will be more opportunities to get a CJ McCollum or a Jimmy Butler or a (laughs) Gordon Hayward or I mean, like there's somebody is going to be very. There's so many contenders this year. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to be disappointed in in the result of their season. Mm-hmm, and okay. i think charlotte can get into a conversation like that and uh, that's just something to keep in the back of your mind as a hornets fan
1: i don't think i want anything to do with gordon hayward moving forward I, it, to me it feels like <laughs> that injury has just co- completely affected him and yeah. um,
3: well i agree i'm just kind of yeah. throwing it yeah you no out i
1: know him.
2: yeah but he's yeah. he's an
1: interesting situation how like that injury has just changed his, his whole
2: game but uh man, it is just he hadn't looked right at all this no. whole season man no. i mean not but,
3: not anywhere close but i think i think if you're charlotte though like that He's almost the if he can just he oh, totally. he's, he's totally. the perfect totally. roll of the dice right
2: yeah yeah I'm speaking about two I'm speaking about right, two right. separate things plus he's a brand name he's a guy that you know the, the franchise has a little bit of history yep. with because they did sign him to a um, an, offer sheet. an yep. offer sheet back in 2014 so yeah like there's 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 history it, it, it would make sense um, you know I he, he wouldn't be a hard you know quasi star to, to sell to the region that's for sure. So, yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, so the, the, like, the, the side thing being, like, you know, Boston title hopes are, like, kind of screwed, and that guy, unless that dude, like, you know, magically turns into his old self here, um, you know, in the next two months, basically.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I have a question for you guys, and, you know, looking back on the on the non-trade, the trade that did not happen, and I think that you guys kind of pointed this out, like, making a deal for just the sake of making a deal just didn't make sense, And I think that many fans will argue that Kimba needs help, which he does. I mean, I I don't think we can argue against that. And by not making a move, you're hurting his chances of not coming back in the offseason. So I understand these concerns and where these fans are coming from. But I would hate for that to be the only motive when it comes to approaching the trade deadline. And like we just stated, you know, Mitch didn't give in. He didn't give in. Uh, he he wouldn't. He was not going to part ways with Monk or Bridges, which I wouldn't have either, in a first-round uh, pick as well. But what do you say to those fans that say, "Hey, because we didn't make a trade, now Kimba has like dramatically decreased his chances of coming back to Charlotte." Do you guys have any thoughts on that? For those people that say, "Hey, well," By doing this or by not doing this, Kimba's pretty much gone to New York or wherever.
3: I mean, I had like a Twitter rant the other day. I don't know if it was the day after uh, the trade deadline. I can't remember what day it was, but I just had all these thoughts in my mind. I was like, I need to get these out right now before I lose them. So I think to the idea of that, I think you should, when Kimba says, you know, I want to stay in Charlotte, I want to prove people wrong, I love this place, I want to do it here, blah, blah, blah. I believe him. I've said that many times. I I, th- I think, I'm guessing, but I think that him, Mitch Kupchak, Michael Jordan have had conversations that are something along the lines of, look man, we're not going to be ready to win a championship in two years. Probably not three years. Four or five? I think we could we could compete. My point is, I think Kimma knows where this franchise is. Right. I, I think he, he knows, he understands that the limitations here, just like Mitch Kupchak does. And I think that he could be committed to being in this for the long run with Charlotte. Like, I don't think that's impossible to think about. So when you're one of those people that says, well, we didn't, and there's even national people that like, I really respect that are just like, it's so disappointing. The Hornets came up short at the trade deadline, blah, 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 blah. Same thing. I just, I look at those people. I'm like, you're not, you're really not looking at the bigger picture here. Or, it's lazy. It's just lazy analysis to me. Kim has said all this, the whole time about loving Charlotte. Why would he say all that if for something like not getting Mark Gasol at the trade deadline is going to is going to completely flip his decision and make him walk, right? Right. Like it's yeah. it, that those two factors don't add up. Yeah. If we're talking about getting Kawhi Leonard at the trade deadline, you know that that's totally different. But Mark Gasol or Harrison Barnes is not getting you even to the second round of the playoffs. So to to think all of a sudden after you've heard Kimball Walker. You know, be on all—all these great quotes about Charlotte for however many months it is now. If you think that after the trade deadline, with the Hornet, with the players the Hornets were linked to, is now going to, ch- you know, change his mind because we weren't able to get those deals done, um, I would just ask you to dig a little bit deeper and not be so emotional with that opinion, you know. And yeah. that's hard to do. Like right. you know, I, I battle that as a fan too, right? Like I was disappointed. I thought we could improve this roster at the deadline. It didn't happen. I don't think that's going to change Kimba Walker's decision, but the Hornets, when it comes to free agency with Kimba Walker, they got to get him in the room at 1201 and they got to get him to sign. Can't let him walk out. That's really the key.
1: (laughs) I think I hope, or we all hope that Kimba would know that just by acquiring Gasol, you might go from winning no games in the playoffs to winning one game. And that's not going to be the big deal breaker for Kimba in this off season. So I think we're, I think we're counting on Kimba being smart enough that that deal, like you said, Spencer, the one that didn't go through, sure, it could boost us up a spot or a standing in the playoffs. It could give us one or two games in the, in a series, but in terms of kind of affecting this team long term, it really doesn't do it for you. And Brian says this a lot too like let's say let's say Kimba does walk in the off season at least that get, gives us a clear picture of how we're going to approach this and move forward mm-hmm. this off season and an upcoming off season so Brian you know what do you say to those fans that say hey you know we should have made a move just for the sake of
2: helping you, Kimba out Yeah I get the frustration the, the thing is, the bottom line is like we just don't know and and I said this on episode 89 it's like um you know to assume that Kemba thought that a Marcus sold trade would have like really like improved their odds and outlook this season it would have assumed that he's really gullible you know what i mean and that he's not a smart basketball player i don't think either of those things are true you know what i mean like i think kemba is a genius basketball player and i i think he is like a uh you know is a is an upright smart human being you know i think it's just as likely that he could have they could have traded for Gasol and he could have walked after yep. the season and he could have been out of first round pick. Yep. So for a lot of the people that were were like I like Spencer said like I get the angst, I get the frustration and I'm not trying to knock those people for that but just know that like it's impossible to predict you know what he's going to do in a couple of months and how much he would have valued a Gasol trade or not. And look, who's to say that they didn't run this stuff by Kemba? You know what I mean? Like while while they're in negotiations and stuff like that, um, you know, with with the trade that they couldn't say, hey, look, hey, Kembo, like, what do you what do you think about? Like if he's if he's this important to the franchise, then he's got to be at least like tangentially involved in those conversations, you know, so we don't know that. Here's what we do know. He's spoken very positively about Charlotte um, and the Hornets can offer the most money. Period. Those are the things that we do know. (laughs) What we don't know is what he thinks about the trade or the the no trade or what he's going to do in July. We have no clue on any of that. And anyone who's trying to say that they do outside of Kemba and his agent or his mom or whatever, they are lying because they don't bleep and know. What we do know is, is that even though he's heading into unrestricted age unrestricted free agency for the first time in his career, we know that he likes the city. He likes this franchise. He's a good dude and the hornets can offer the most money in the yeah. most years. Those yeah. are the facts, all right? Everything else is conjecture. And anyone else who was coming out with super hot takes about, you know, this was a big miss like you just you're you're being reactionary. And I, and I would heed just a little bit of um a little bit of caution would, would probably be good. And look, he still might leave. And, and people can come at me and say, I'm dumb for advocating for no trade. And, and that's fine. Um, we, can, we can be results-based you know, jerks. That's, that's totally cool. It won't, it won't change from what the mentality should have been at the deadline in February. And that's my point.
3: Uh, yeah, that's uh, very well said, Brian. And, and guess what? If Kemba leaves, at least the franchise finally has a direction. Like, I'm sorry, people are going to stone me for that one, but like, at least we know which direction we're going now and that is the rebuild and the city, the the, the small market city of Charlotte will survive a rebuild. I promise it'll be tough. All right. There won't be a
2: lot of butts in the seats, but we'll survive it. There aren't many butts in the seats this year already. And like, what's the big, you know, it it didn't take long for the, it took a year of the Hawks doing this. And now look at the Hawks. Yeah. Look at the Hawks. They, look, I'm I'm not I'm, I don't want to ever be in one of those like I think because I'm a guy that's like publicly defended the process in Philadelphia and stuff that people assume that I just want like a rebuild at all times like I just I just want to do that that's not the case that's not the case I, I would like for the Hornets to be a 60 win juggernaut with four All Stars like the Warriors like that would be dope but like if you're if you're juxtaposing 37 wins with like finishing somewhere from seven through ten in the East to like Maybe trying something that empirically has been proven to to give you the best odds of drafting star players, which is the only way the Hornets, outside of a, a blockbuster trade, can can get a guy to come to Charlotte. Like, you got to see Memphis is going through this now. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's doing this. These are these are these markets are facsimiles to Charlotte in terms of the NBA, both in terms of region and and in size and stuff like that. I'd say Memphis is much smaller. It is. It's It's the smallest, and it's it's in a a city that I don't, I don't believe Memphis to be growing either, too. Um, (laughs) Right. Which is not the case in Charlotte or Atlanta, obviously. But like, you just, people, I've just never bought into the notion that if you rebuild, it's going to ruin everything. Like, this franchise has had so much, the fact that anyone's still here, you know what I mean? There's still lots of people still here lining up saying we like the Hornets man we want to we want to watch the Hornets we want to talk about the Hornets we want to read the Hornets we want to wear Hornets gear we want to buy season tickets like all that stuff um yeah you can anyone can survive a rebuild and, you, and you're crazy to think that you're on, that that you won't be able to do that that said it would be great if they could resign Kemba uh come July obviously
3: no no doubt no doubt all right well, that was good let's transition to kind of the, the last part of the episode here um i just want everybody to give me, and i'll start us. Uh, just kind of celebrate here, uh, being on the eve of all-star weekend in Charlotte, which is really, really cool. And actually a a really good segue to kind of the the market size conversation. I think this is a big opportunity for Charlotte, but yeah, let's just get like two sentences from all of us and then we'll wrap. Look, this is like really important. It's actually kind of just hit me today. Like, Oh man, we're here. Like all-star weekend is in Charlotte. Here's Charlotte's chance not only to the basketball world and the NBA, but also to a lot of guys and younger players in this league to kind of show what this city, the state, you know this fan base can bring. I, I don't think a lot of them understand, Brian, to your point, how much this place is growing, how good of a place it is to live. And I, And I think this is Charlotte's chance finally to to kind of prove that to the league. It's a huge opportunity. I think it's going to go great. It's awesome to have Kimba Walker, you know, obviously starting in the in the All Star game, and to have Miles Bridges, you know, the the one shining uh, young talent I think on this roster, uh, you, you know, uh, in the dunk contest Saturday night. So, it would be wonderful if both those guys showed out. If Miles was able to win the dunk contest, as Kemba somehow some way won MVP, you know, and, and, and you know you just couldn't write enough good puff pieces on how good Charlotte did in the All Star mm-hmm. game. That would, regardless of the rest of the season, I think that would really go a long way for this city. But it is very exciting. And, uh, you know, I hope some of the fans out there, the Hornets fans that are listening, are able to get out, you know, this, uh, this weekend and see some stuff. If you're not able to go to the game uh, or Saturday night, you know, there's tons of festivals downtown. I mean, there's, on every corner, they're going to have something celebrating the weekend. So get out, celebrate. <laughs> look we're all sad from time to time being hornets fans right but like this is our time to be happy and celebrate and kind of rep our city so i think we should take advantage of it
1: hey i will say that i'm actually going to the uh, rising stars challenge on friday night so i kind of lucked out there My, my friend has uh season tickets and he invited me to go to that game unfortunately there's no hornets that are participating in that game or at least not to my knowledge and I mean, I don't blame them for, you know, for not having Monk or, or Bridges in there. At least we'll get to see Bridges at the dunk contest. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's going to be a good experience for Charlotte. I'm excited to go Friday night just to kind of take in all the festivities and, and see it happen. Um, it's probably going to be a whole lot different uh, kind of taking it in live versus kind of from your couch. And I don't know. I, I've always liked the All-Star Weekend. It's probably not the best All-Star game or the All-Star Weekend, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so glad that it's it's here in Charlotte.
2: It's a showcase for the city and, and I just I I mirror everything you guys said. It's a it's a good it could be a, a, a boon for the franchise that you know we'll we'll see. We'll you know going forward. All
1: right guys, thanks again for tuning in to another BuzzBeat podcast. We truly appreciate all the support you've been giving us, especially since we've switched over to Blue Wire. Be sure to give us a rating and review on iTunes. It really does go a long way. You guys might not think it does, but it it does. Um, The Hornets have one more game before the break on Thursday in Orlando, Uh, so it would be nice to enter that all-star break on a high note as the Hornets gear up for that playoff push. You know, they they want that 7th and 8th seed, right, guys? So for Brian, for Spencer, I am Richie. Uh, We will see you guys next time. Go Hornets.
4: MyPatriotSupply.com